podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the Independent Derby County podcast. Season's greetings to you all. So it turns out the football isn't coming home for Christmas after all. But uh, joining me, Chris Parsons, full of festive spirit nonetheless, are Ollie Wright from Derby County Blog. Hello, sir. How are you doing? Evening, mate. You okay? <laughs> well, in the circumstances, not yeah. the best day of football no. this weekend, was it overall? Not really. No, it was. Um, I'm still flat as a pancake, to be honest. After I, I don't want to use the. Uh, well, I'm going to go there. I'm sick as a parrot, Chris. Um, it's just <laughs> wow, devastated. Like honestly, I just because I was so revved for that France game, and obviously Derby not beating Burton will come to, but it just felt like such a great opportunity. And I was so excited about the team and the way we sort of swatted Senegal in the second round. And, you know, obviously beating him round 6-2 is sort of swamping. You know, okay, okay, we didn't beat America, but which was annoying. But like everybody else, we sort of waltzed past really easily and they looked great. And on another day, as we were talking just before, you know, we could easily have won that game. Years of hurt is uh, is uh, is a phrase of white noise to us as Derby fans. It, it happens so often. So <laughs> I think if anyone can handle it, we can. And it is glad tidings to you and your kin, Richard Kutcher. How you doing, man? Hi, Chris. Yeah, echo everything that was just said. Pretty, pretty deflating evening and yeah, frustrating afternoon with Derby as well. Uh, but today is another day. We've still got you know to look forward to Morocco versus Croatia in the World Cup final, which would be which would be incredible scenes and we. <laughs> <laughs> we hope for that and it has actually been a brilliant world cup in terms of on the pitch uh matters so yeah just still very odd we've referenced it before but it's very odd watching england and a world cup while also thinking about derby versus burton and uh, a christmas schedule of fixtures coming up still quite doesn't doesn't quite feel right does it but uh on we go I don't think I'll ever get used to it by the end of the tournament, but there's only a week left. So uh, we're all Morocco, aren't we? Let's all agree. Uh, but don't forget, you can follow Steve Bloomer's Washing on uh, social at Steve Bloomer Pod and get extra podcasts this season over on our Patreon. Get exclusive interviews, a welcome gift competitions and you help support the podcast each month for just a very small fee head over to patreon.com forward slash steve bloomers washing but it's been a tale of two contrasting draws since our last uh, our last chats one relatively positive you'd have to say against a sheffield wednesday side gunning for the top two in league one and more recently one much more disappointing, of course, against the side who were bottom of the league on goal difference in the A38 derby against Burton Albion. Uh, Ollie, I'm sure you watched it with me. It's difficult to take positives, really, when you do go ahead against a side like Burton with the worst defence in the league. They shipped 42 before the game, but to, to fail to score again, kill that game off and end up dropping points... I mean, what exactly went wrong in that second half against the Brewers? Well, it's a funny one for me because I had the—I I, I only managed to watch the second half. The first half, I was listening to it on the radio because I had the, my little lad, and um, I managed to palm him off. And I literally paid my Jeff Kenner, put Rams TV on, and like the first thing that happened as I switched it on was I saw Lewis Dobbin running through the centre circle, and then I realised as I sort of settled myself down, I was like, "Hang on, 
He's clean through. Like, there's nobody near him, and he's like. And then the next thing, he's like looking around. He's looking around either shoulder. I'm like, what? Why is, what's he looking at? Just go run through and score. And then he just flaps it over the bar. It was really so. That was quite a surreal way to enter into watch, actually watching a game. After that, from what I can gather, we played pretty well in the first half. Obviously, it was a brilliant goal, but we just didn't really build on it at all. And and. It just felt like the, what slightly worried me was that obviously we, we looking at the team before the game, it felt like we actually had a strong bench. You know, we've, we've, there's been times when Warren's kind of moaned about, you know, we've only got kids there and we don't want to put them on. And it wasn't the case. And, and he ended up using five subs and it didn't really make the team any better somehow, even though it was five good players who, who, who were brought on. And, and Burton just had this spell where they got on top of us. The young lad from Everton on loan who came on and Yango, I thought, looked... A prospect, and he made, he gave us problems, um, and then also the the guy on the left, Bobby Camwa, he seemed to really give Corey Smith a lot of issues to deal with, and, and he kind of got the feeling of Corey Smith being a you know a, a fullback only because he'd been press ganged rather than he, he genuinely was one, and then obviously you kind of you, you know you sort of you come back to issues like we're starting the game with. Louis Sibley, Louis the left back, which is just something I never thought I'd see. And then obviously Corey is playing out of position. And you kind of come back to all the problems with the team and the squad. And it's not really clear. I'm still not clear what the best team is. I don't think Warren is either. And I think we're just crying out to strengthen and bolster and, and get to January and sort of have a bit of a, re, a resort. We, we got one there. Look, we didn't have enough quality up, up front to look like getting another one. And then they just bang balls in the box. And in the end, one drops from a corner and gets knocked in. You know, we've seen it a million times. We'll see it a million more times. It's just, you know, if you're only one nil up, it's always a possibility that a cross in the box and it, it drops the, to the right feet and it's gone. We, I don't think we deserve to win. I don't think, based on what I saw, uh, I would say a draw was a fair no. result. I think Burton pushed us and pushed us and, you know, they just knocked on the door until it, it, it fell down. And Yeah, frustrating one, Kutch. But if we take it back a bit, James Collins is seventh of the season, I think it was. And uh, I mean, what impressed me about his goal is that he actually starts the move and he, he feeds it into the box and gets in there himself. But as Ollie said, it's quite rare to see a striker beat the goalkeeper with a header from that far out, really. And it's maybe this is pushing it a bit, but perhaps the sort of goal that he wouldn't have scored earlier on in the season when things weren't clicking for him and he didn't quite have that little bit of extra confidence. But we'll come on to... Connor Harran's contribution later, but it's not actually the best ball in from him, slightly behind him. But as you'll see, if you watch it back, James Collins doesn't half make something out of that cross, doesn't he? Yeah, it's a bizarre finish, isn't it? He's had a few of those recently. One of his goals at uh, MK Dons was a, was an incredible finish, but you couldn't quite work out how he did it. And that was similar to, he just managed to get his forehead onto the ball and maybe that's doing a disservice and, and it kind of looped up and in. But as you said, Chris, there at the start, that... What was most impressive for me about that goal was it was kind of encapsulated his resurgence um, and his all-round all play that he's that's kind of come back into his game since Paul Warren took over because I think he's defending that near post from the corner. He wins a, he wins a huge header, could have needed such a header actually late on when we did concede from a corner, uh, wins a huge header. He then supports a counter-attack in the left-hand channel, gets right out the pitch to do that, puts the ball out wide and then sprints into the box and he's there for the the Howerhan cross. So really, really good goal, you know, from him. You know, he he probably had two of the secondary assists and, and then he put it in himself. So I thought it kind of encapsulated, as I said, 
James Collins' overall involvement and contribution to this team. Yeah, and as we said, it ended up being a draw, of course. And uh, Ollie's pointing out that it's the latest disappointing draw at, let's face it, a, a team who Derby you'd think should be beating on a, a tight pitch in a small ground. You know, think Fleetwood and Morecambe, Burton again, Shrewsbury perhaps as well. And I, and I think the point I was going to make about this is is that our waveform should be way better. But I looked at it and it's actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, our way record, having been improved significantly by Paul Warren, is now the sixth best in League One. I think we'll pick up 14 points on the road this season, believe it or not. So, I mean, Kutch, having said that, do you think it's greedy to say that our waveform should still be better this season? I think it probably is, Chris, because, you know, as you said, waveform is sixth best in the league and we're seventh. So the problem there is very much the home form, which is what we're meant to be good at. And that's, that is the Paul Warren problem. It's, it's the home form which has tailed off under Paul Warren and the away form's got much better, but they haven't got better in terms of wins. They've only got better in terms of draws. You know, obviously you could say we struggled to beat you know, the two lower league teams in the cup in 90 minutes away from home, which was which was a shame. But the win against MK Don's away was good, win against Cambridge away, draw against Pompey was a good draw. Maybe could have expected more away at Morecambe. But, you know, in general, I think I think if you're picking up a point away, we should be expecting to win our home games and we'll come on to December, you know, the rest of the next four fixtures. We've got three home games coming up and, and that's the way to turn this round. For me, it's improving the home form is the priority. If we can pick up draws away from home or wins, any kind of points away from home, I think are good points. So, yes, we should have beaten Burton. We probably should have beaten Morecambe. We could have beaten Pompey, but we wouldn't expect to beat Pompey away in this league at the moment. So, yeah, I think it probably is greedy to expect more when it's actually our home form, which is letting us down. I just wanted to, if, if possible, if you'll bear indulge me, I'd quite like to geek out a tiny bit because I looked at that and I understand what you're saying. It's, it's in raw terms, it's a sixth best away record. But when you look at it on a points per game basis, it's more like ninth or tenth. So it's, it's you put, for example, Portsmouth have got the same amount of points as us away from home, but they've played two less games. I think Oxford, if it works out, they've, they've done better from less games a couple of others it's an okay away record it's not brilliant but I absolutely agree with what Kutch is saying about the home games we've not been terrible at home we actually haven't played that many we've only played nine home games and most most teams have played 10 some have played 11 so we've won five drawn two lost two at home so it's not disastrous but I mean the the one away one home defeat really rankles is the Port Vale one where we just kind of we conspired to get beat in that game. It was bizarre. Never seen anything like it. But overall, you know, home form is good. The interesting thing, and I actually, I actually posted out a uh, on Twitter last night a results grid, which would have got lost in all the England tweets. It won't have got seen by anybody. But weirdly, we've 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 barely played anybody who's currently in the bottom half at home. So nearly all of our home games have come against teams at the top, and we've still got to play literally the bottom nine. Looking at it at home so we've got a massive opportunity to sort of hoover up some points these are teams you let's be honest we should be beating really you know when you're playing against teams towards the top end that can be more tricky obviously Portsmouth you know look at the top six top eight now they're all clubs that we've got history against clubs that are strong clubs and will expect to be in there or thereabouts but when you look towards the bottom they're clubs that we've often sometimes we've never even played before or very very rarely played before based on the sort of different stature. So we've, it's pivotal that we make, make full advantage of those games against you know, teams at the bottom at home. I think away, we've been okay, but we've actually not played many of the top teams. We've not played Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, Bolton, Peterborough. We haven't played any of them yet. So on that basis, 
the away yeah coach is right we, we can't expect to, to do the job on the road it's got to be mostly done at Pride Park and that's where we'll, we'll sink or swim based on how well we do in the games against the smaller clubs at home I think yeah let's take it back coach a little bit to an incident that Ollie has talked about there from the Burton game 1-0 up second half starts out of nowhere Lewis Dobbin is put clean through on goal behind the Burton defence and I don't know I, I tweeted words to this effect but the sad thing I thought is just I just never backs him to stick that chance away like he was a good couple of yards in front of the defender what I will say in his defence I don't know maybe he could blame the pitch a bit I mean it's absolutely bloody freezing in Burton I'm sure maybe a bit of a bobbly pitch hard surface so difficult to get a, a decent roll of the ball and maybe get a read on it but even with that in mind He's got to be sticking that away or at least getting it on target as the absolute bare minimum. But he ends up skying it almost to the degree that Harry Kane did against France, which is absolutely horrifying when I saw that happen. So the question for you both is, look, 27 appearances now for Lewis Dobbin, although about a third of those, I think nine have come off the bench in all competitions and just two goals to show for it. So we put this out to our patrons on the Steve Bloomers Washington Discord channel, Kurt Lewin simply asked us, Kutch, is Lewis Dobbin good enough for League One? What do you think? I think he is. I think he is good enough for League One. Look, we are in League One. You can't expect players to have everything. There's definitely a player in there. You're right that when he went through on goal, Ollie referenced it as well. He's looking over his shoulder twice. He's just got he's just got to be concentrating on bearing down on goal and then finishing it. And he's too he's more thinking about the player over his shoulder. Like, what's he actually gonna do if the play if he suddenly sees the player a bit closer? Like, he's just got to focus on getting his head down and then getting his head up. Uh, forward and then slotting it in. So he's had a few one-on-ones this season. The one-on-one seems to be a bit of a <laughs> a bit of a weak point for him. You know, he scores an absolute wonder goal, that volley in the cup at Pride Park, and he can't seem to put in the more simple chances. But he's lively. He does work hard. Paul Warren seems to love him for that. You know, he's not the kind of player in terms of a, a tricky, fancy winger that you necessarily expect to work hard, but he obviously does. Um, so he's got that going in his favour. Uh, we need options in the wide areas. You know, I think he'd be much more effective if Mendes Lang was able to start and Dobber can come on. Um, he'd probably benefit from that, having a run of games out the team and then coming back in because he does seem like he's lost a bit of confidence. But I think he's perfectly good enough for League One. Look, this squad needs to have a mix of talents and a mix of different types of players. I'm not worried about our forward options. I'm more worried about getting some fullbacks in. Uh, if you get some fullbacks in, you actually make better options going forward. So Corey Smith can come back into midfield. Louis Sibley can be an option going forward. I just think you need to rotate some of those younger attacking players a bit more. But yeah, for me, there's not a lot wrong with him. He just looks like he's out of confidence and his, and his, and his one-on-ones are probably something he needs to work on. Ollie, let's, let's add in a bit of context here because look, Lewis Dobbin is a kid and he's raw and he has got ability. We can see that. And look, loan spells... For young players, sometimes they just don't work out. Like sometimes they don't hit the ground running. They don't bang in goals. I mean, you know, look, you look no further than one of the greatest strikers our country's produced, Harry Kane, who I looked at his wiki earlier. He had a few very, very ordinary loan spells when he was Lewis Dobbins' age. Like he had one at like Leighton Orient, like five goals in 18. Another one later on at Leicester, two goals in 13. So it happens to all players and he may he may come good. Dobbin, he may not. He may, I mean, if he has a career half as good as Harry Kane's, he'll obviously be delighted. But look, Paul Warren's going to have a decision to make in January 
with Dobbin because it's the time when he'll get to shape his squad a bit more. I, I could be, I think I'm right in saying Dobbin's a season long loan. I, I think that's right. But I'm guessing there's the option to say in, in January to Everton, look, thanks, but no thanks. We're going to get someone else in. Paul Warren's going to get one of his own players in. So in 2023, in the new year, what do you think Warren should do? Keep him and stick with him and hope that he does come good or, or look elsewhere? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it'd be really harsh to send him back. I'm not sure how that would affect our relationship with Everton as well. With uh, we kind of say to him, "Sorry, lads, we you know we know we took we said we'd take this guy, but actually we're just gonna you know he's been he's been contributing, he's been playing." I think the point that Kutch made is about Mendes is the really important one. I think if if Mendes is fit, he's going to start, and then Dobbin comes in off the bench probably because Barkayson's back now to play on the other side. And to be fair, those two are your most experienced. Uh, reliable um, options to play on the wings. So I think then you've got a Lewis Dobbin to throw on for 20, 30 minutes. And he's he's technically good. I mean, I, I watch him, you know, and I I, I, I mean, I, I like you, was, you guys were saying, we've talked about the, the chance he missed. I wanted to throttle him. I really did. But I, I, mostly I enjoy watching him play. I think he's really good on the ball, technically excellent. He can beat a player. And he's obviously a really, really good prospect. He's 19 years old, so you're not you're not going to have the finished product. You know, I mean, when we had Festy, you know, he was miles away from the, the finished product and he used to do things like skin a man and then bang it in the stand. You know, we did that all the time. But but then you bear with those young players because you know there'll be a moment around the corner, like when he fizzed in that, you know, unreal volley. So it, it's, it's obvious he's got the talent. I 100% would not send him back. I'd, I'd bear with him. I just think maybe we could get one more experienced forward that'd help just take the heat off him a little bit so that he can be used more sparingly because it's not really fair to expect him to come in and do a man's job and play 30 or 35 games in a season when he's when he's a teenager. You know, he's still he's, he's 20 next month, but you know, he's a very very young player. I'd say the same about Willisula as well. Again, young player, raw potential lots of work to do on his game but that's why he's here you know we're in league one you know we're not we're not fishing in the top pool you know we, we are taking players who've got work to do on their game and we're honing and refining them um, and that's what we're gonna have to accept you know and the same with the experienced players we get they're not going to be top 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 level they're all going to be little issues with their games as well that we just have to bear with because we're in league one yeah i guess the issue with that is if it is going to be a promotion push and that's what apparently we're told it is this season that our backup strikers you know in dobbin and asula are two strikers who are very raw who do have occasional glimpses but do have incredibly frustrating moments as well so uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in january is uh, is i think something we can all agree on so look we will come back in just a second on steve bloomer's washing but as i said give us a follow on social at steve bloomer pod and make sure you follow us on facebook and instagram as well at steve bloomer's washing and hey why not send us an email give us some abuse that way as well it's steve bloomer's washing at gmail.com russell checking what's on in the box it's a lovely ball, Dawkins, five! What an impudent finish from the Jamaican international. Backheeled it in. It's raining goals on the banks of the Thames. This month, our friends at Derby Brewing have a special offer for Steve Bloomer's washing listeners. You can get 10% off in their online shop by simply adding the code DBC10 when ordering. You can buy real ale, craft beer, brewery tour tickets, gift packs, gift cards, mixed cases 
and their new merchandise range over at derbybrewing.co.uk forward slash shop. So head over today to make it a Derby Brewing Christmas. Hi, I'm Paolo Wanchop and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Yeah, so interesting decisions for Warren to make in January. Hopefully he'll be able to shape his own squad a little bit more. But Ollie, you, you were... You, you were intimating earlier before the break that you, you wanted to add that, yeah, two of our strikers are very raw, but it's a chance for, for Warren to make the squad his own a little bit after New Year. Ultimately, we've, we have got some lone spots to fill. So obviously the goalie, Anang, got injured and we don't need him because Joe Wildsmith's doing a perfectly good job. So, you know, that means that you've got Hayden Roberts, you've got Asuli, you've got Dobbin. You could bring in a couple more lone players and you, that makes you five. So obviously we could do, well, we have to get a right back, but then that still leaves an opportunity to bring in like an experienced forward perhaps. Um, more difficult to get free transfers, but there might be an experienced forward we could get on a free, you never know. But certainly there's still opportunities to, to strengthen. I, I get the point about maybe wanting to send players back, but I think it feels to me like that would be a harsh thing. And again, I think the the, the problem we would would have with the relationship with the clubs, I think would be quite tough as well. Because they've both played a lot and they've both contributed and they're both promising young players. So, But, but absolutely, we need to add to what we've got. We need to strengthen. Uh, that's without question. The amount of games that Dobbin and Asula have played, both starting and off the bench, does not suggest to me that we're thinking about sending them back. You know, we've had some bad loan signings in the past. These two are not in that bracket. Like they're they're making perfectly reasonable contributions to the team. Could they be doing better? Yes. Could many of our full time employees be doing better for us? Yes, of course. Like this whole team is perhaps a little bit underperforming. Um, even some of our players who have played very well this season that are probably going through some sticky patches. All that said, we're however many unbeaten. You know, we're not far away from putting a good run together. So I think there's quite a lot of unnecessary negativity around the team in the last couple of weeks. I mean, we've we've come through a pretty big injury crisis. We're coming out the other side of it, and we've got some winnable games to come. So I wouldn't be I wouldn't be panicking just yet. As we said. Derby did have the chance to cement a place in the top six at the weekend, but sadly couldn't take it and now stay seventh. But the important context to remember on that front is that it's incredibly congested uh, in the top half of the League One table. If you take out the top three, at least, who have made a bit of a break for it, Plymouth, Ipswich Town and Sheffield Wednesday. But from Barnsley in fourth, there's only six points separating them from Lincoln in 14th. So uh, Derby are very much in that playoff mix. However, there's no denying that we have drawn five out of our last seven in the league. So as we say, Kutchers has said that we've slightly underperformed and those feelings of what if about this season very much remain. But Ollie, I wanted to bring you in on another question from one of our patrons. Um, Stephen Bosworth came in with this one on our Discord. A bit of a wider one, really. But you look at this season, would you take finishing just outside the playoffs this season as Derby are at the moment on the basis that we would have a good platform to challenge for the top two next year? Yeah, I was thinking about that. It's a good question from Stephen, I think, because that's the thing. I would have had we stuck with Liam Rossini because then it would have been it's a long-term project we're, we're you know developing something from the ground up which we've got to remember we are developing something from the ground up here but then you know Rossini wasn't doing particularly badly and was replaced anyway which kind of suggests that they wanted someone to put the rockets under it I think on the basis of looking at the division I feel like there's a clear split and I know there's not a massive gap down to 14th but I, I do feel that your top eight is going to be the playoff 
it's going to be promotion, you know, it's going to be decided from those eight. I honestly think that. Uh, I might be completely wrong, but it feels to me like there is a gap between the, the, the teams at the very top there and the rest who are very much kind of, who they kind of fluctuate up and down. They win one, they lose one. Like Kutch was saying there, or was it you, Chris? Sorry. Uh, but five out of seven draws. So we're treading water and yet we're still there. Psychologically, it just helps to just break into the top six. And I think psychologically missing a chance to do that knocks your confidence a little bit. So we're seventh. It's only on goal difference, but we still feel like we're slightly underachieving. I think we should this I think this squad should get to the top six anyway. I think if we can get the right players in in January, hundred percent we we should do the playoffs. Automatic promotion I don't think is I think anybody sensible understands that's not gonna happen really at this stage unless something absolutely remarkable happened. I just wonder, Kutch, how much would have to change next season if we were to go for the for the top two and how much squad reshaping would would need to be done so I mean you know look like you look at this derby team and I think we have gone for some players with the aim of getting promoted ideally this season or next season like you know James Collins 32 Didsy's 35 Connor Aaron's 31 like Fozzie's what somewhere in his late 40s I don't even know anymore Curtis Davis is knocking on as well and Next season, all those players will be a year older. Can they perform to the same way they have done this season? So, I don't know. Where do you sit on it? Do you think, would you be happy to sacrifice? Well, not sacrifice, but would you be happy to say, look, we can build towards top two being the aim next season? Well, I think the top two is the aim next season. Well, it doesn't matter where we finish this season in terms of what happens next season. I, I would be extremely disappointed, I think, if we didn't make top six this season. Looking at the league table... As, as you both mentioned, and how, how congested it is in the kind of clubs below and above us. I mean, look at Peterborough. They're falling like a stone. They've lost four in a row. They're only going in one direction right now. You know, the top three probably have made a break for it. There's no reason why we can't finish fourth still. I, mean, I just don't get the negativity, to be honest, um, at the moment. I think there's, there's plenty of good things in this team. Paul Warren is still getting his messages across. I think he is still a little bit stuck with the style and some of the players he's got. I don't know why Jason Knight isn't starting in midfield. He looks like an obvious person that if, if Corey Smith is going to play right back, Jason Knight should be in midfield. And we're going to come on to Harahan in a second. But Jason Knight just seems like an obvious box-to-box energetic all action midfielder that Paul Warren would love so I don't know what's going on there if he's still not quite fit to start or if they're saving him to sell him in January but there's plenty about that squad to get into that top six and as I said probably get up to fourth and in terms of next season that although we're still restricted I believe to free transfers the advantage we've got is we've got what Paul Warren's had like what eight months until until June or whatever when when did when did he join November so October October he joined so he's had nine months seven you know probably nine months to plan for the summer which means he can line up free transfers and there are lots of free agents in league one come the end of the season so he will be able to line up players who are 26 27 28 29 the kind of age profile his squad needs as we've said all season we've either got really old players or really young players they both bring benefits but nothing kind of beats players in their prime so I think if we don't get promoted this season, we'll give it a really good go under Paul Warren next season. But we should definitely be targeting top six. And with this squad of players and this manager, I think we'd be disappointed not to get top six. Yeah, he talks about Derby slightly underperforming. And you could argue, harshly or not, that the player that maybe symbolises that is Conor Harahan. I mean, we were all so excited, weren't we, when he came in in the summer. Like the phrase I heard a lot was too good for League One. But... 
23 appearances later, we've had three goals and three assists from him. Granted, one of those literally won us the game. Two of those, well, all three of his goals won us two games, uh, if you see what I mean. But he's averaging uh, just under 7 out of 10 in his overall match ratings over on whoscored.com for what it's worth. I think he's uh, he's rating at 6.98. But for a player who was meant to be too good for this division, I I was expecting more. I was expecting more, I've got to be honest. And I feel like the Burton game was maybe a bit of an example of that as well. And I get that it's not all his fault. He needs or seems to be a player who needs that player behind him to maybe push him up and take the onus off him so he can do what he does best. But even... The Sheffield Wednesday game, like creditable nil-nil draw, but there was like a sort of a, a, a corner routine clearly worked on from the training ground where Sibley pulled it all the way back to Harrahan. He's uh, he's free, 20, 22 yards out. Left foot, you're expecting him to at least work the goalkeeper, smashes it way over the bar. I mean, it was a difficult chance, but that is what he is in the team to do, to produce those moments on his left foot out of nothing and set pieces as well. And I think, I don't know, his set pieces are good, they're okay. I haven't really seen that many sort of defense splitting balls, match winning balls that I can remember. And I think if I'm being ultra critical, I don't really feel that his set pieces have been that much better than the average creative midfielder that you'd expect in League One. Maybe that's a bit too far. I don't know. But Ollie, one of our patrons came in with this, Julian Gerson asked over on our Discord channel, is Connor Harrahan a good fit for this team? What do you think? Well, that is a good question from Julian. I was going to say, um, Kutch has kind of touched on the the, the negativity question uh, issue a couple of times. And I honestly think that we're being overly critical of, of Harren. And I think it is a function of the, the hype that came around his signing when, yeah, the people were very, very over overexcited when, when he joined, you know, when there was a kind of HMS Pistol League crowd, wasn't there? And they were just getting <laughs> a bit giddy. Um, and look, he's 31 or whatever he is. He's an excellent passer of the ball. And as you know, Chris, I like a stat. I like whoscored.com. He's, he's, if you have a look under key passes per game, he's in the top 10 in the division. Barry Bannon's your number one, and he's seventh in the division. So for key passes per game, which is passes directly leading to his shot, he's one of the best players in the division. So I think we need to focus on what he can do, which is create opportunities to score goals. And then maybe get off his back a bit if he's not a ratter, which he isn't. You know, he's not a Jason Knight type, all legs and arms pumping and, you know, box to box. But to get the best out of him, we need legs around him. Now, you could argue that possibly an ideal midfield three would be Max Bird to sit and sort of prompt, Jason Knight to get up and down the pitch and, and, and then Harahan to sort of you know, kind of play the number eight playmaking kind of role. But at the moment, we seem to be playing more of a sort of 4-2-3-1 or even 4-4-2, if you like, with McGoldrick and uh, Collins up front. So you can only play two in midfield. Um, does a midfield two complete, um, alongside Bird, completely suit Harahan? Maybe it doesn't. Um, maybe he would benefit from having Jason Knight in the team alongside him as well. But then what do you do with Bird? It all comes back to the the question of what the best team is, what the best shape is, which I don't think Warren has sorted that out. I don't, I, I, and I can sympathise with why, because it is difficult to work out because there's gaping holes in the squad. There's no right back. You know, there's all sorts of issues he needs to sort out. And I, I don't think it's been sorted out yet. I think I think a midfield three would probably suit Harahan better. I think he's an excellent player and I think he's doing his job really well. I just think that maybe things aren't quite 100% 
right around him. I think Richie Barker even said in an interview before the one of the recent games that they were literally putting out 11 some weeks where it was just they were working out what system to play based on who they had rather than you know using the system they wanted to use. So I think I don't, let's not be harsh on Harrahan. Let's appreciate what he can do and then hopefully get the best out of him by putting the right players around him to do that. And hopefully then he'll mesh into the team better. I mean, firstly... The, the key points to make is I've got to hold my hands up and uh, admit defeat in in the the geekery from whoscored.com. You've absolutely done me there on that one. But <laughs> <laughs> Kutch, I think, I, I guess it's a bit of a divisive one, but I, I guess when we signed Harrahan and you asked people what sort of player he is and what he'd do to this Derby team, I think most people would have said that they'd expect a lot more assists from him. Like he's the player we build the whole team around. Yeah, he, he would be if not a match winner every week, then a key contributor every week. And the, the times when I'm expecting him to to deliver that 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 better ball, I know Ollie said that he is he is ranking highly for delivering key passes. I just feel it's not happening enough for me. I mean, where do you do you do you think you've expected more from Harrahan yourself or or is it the system that maybe needs to work around him a bit better? Well yeah, there's definitely question marks over a system which Ollie outlined pretty well so I won't, I won't repeat them on the yeah I probably have expected more moments shall we say from Harrahan at least like he has had a couple of moments early in the season late winners he has had some key passes seventh in the league as Ollie said is seventh high enough for a player like Connor Harrahan in key passes like he's meant to be that kind of creative assist maker right oh and you know final third type player and is seventh in league one you know, Ollie says, let's not do him down for being that. I think maybe we should be doing him down. Now, should should he be that far behind Barry Bannon? Maybe it's a system that's not getting the best out of him. So maybe it's not all Conor Harahan's fault. But I think it's understandable that people are a bit underwhelmed by his impact in the same way people were underwhelmed by James Collins' impact in the first half of this first half of the season. And again, and most of that for Collins was probably about the way we were playing. It wasn't suiting him. And in a, in the same way that maybe under a senior, it did suit Harahan more and the Warren it suits him less so I, I don't see how you get the best out of him in the way that Paul Warren wants to play the game I think if you played a five a genuine 5-3-2 with genuine win backs you could get a three-man midfield which has that makeup that Ollie said with maybe Bird and Knight or Smith and, and Bird and, and Harahan but he wants to play really, really attacking wing backs like Mendes Lang and Barkhausen, which I, I don't agree with, as I said numerous times. And if you do that, you probably want more legs in midfield. So four three three, it means you can't play probably McGoldrick or Collins, which isn't ideal because they're probably our two best players going forward. I, I don't think you can really get Howrahan and and McGoldrick into the ideal system because I think you kind of McGoldrick's a bit of a luxury player. He works really hard. That's harsh, but he's kind of a luxury player in that final third. And Connor Harron's a bit, a bit of a luxury player in midfield. So I think it's really hard to make it work in the way that Paul Warren wants to play football. Under a senior, it, it kind of made sense. Although we questioned Bird and Harrahan together in the midfield under a senior, you could see why he wanted to do it because they're both ball players and they wanted to control the game. That's not what Warren wants to do. That's why I'm really surprised still that Jason Knight hasn't been straight back into that central midfield because for me, he should be the best midfielder in the league, Jason Knight, and and he should suit Paul Warren's system. So either he's still not fit or they're looking to sell him and they're wrapping him on cotton wool because it, I, for me, it begs belief he's not the first name on the team sheet, Jason Knight. 
Yeah, I guess he, well, he was coming back to fitness a few weeks ago, but yeah, I completely agree. It is a bit of a mystery and uh, yeah, that would be the thoroughly depressing answer if it, if uh, Derby are keeping him under the radar so we can flog him in January. But uh, let's look a little bit shorter term ahead just to wrap things up for this episode. Ollie talked about it in the first half. You'd think Derby's next few games include at least a couple of bankers, but we don't really do bankers, do we, as uh, with Derby County, etc. But the next four, a string of winnable games punctuated by that one tricky trip to Bolton. So um, before we finish things today, Ollie, uh, Forest Green at home, Bolton away, Cambridge at home, and Accrington at home on January the 2nd before that break for the FA Cup. Uh, the weekend after and Barnsley at home in the cup I mean so how many points do you see us picking up from those four well I've basically already put the hex on Forest Green because I've organised because the Derby County blog has a a sort of cottage industry Patreon probably about uh, it's probably very small compared to yours but but it was a group of us and we we're all going for a beer before the game so that's that's basically now nailed on for an embarrassing 3-0 defeat where (laughs) somehow James Collins scores a hat-trick of own goals or something like that then punches someone and and gets suspended for 10 games Um, now in in all seriousness I think you know these are the games that we've got to be winning if we're going to be in there you know Forest Green Cambridge Accrington we have to get we have to get Nine points, really, um, to be honest. Bolton away, obviously, is a massive game um, because they're well up there. So ultimately, you take a point from that, you would. But yeah, I, I mean, 10 points, please. I mean, I, I I can get my head around us maybe slipping up away from home here and there. But at Pride Park, I honestly believe that these are the games we have to be winning if we're going to make the, you know, get into the promotion shakeup. We have to win them. So yeah, I'll ask for ten points, please. Yeah, agree with that. We've got we've got to put three points next to each of those three home games, and then hope you get something at Bolton. So ten points would be kind of a target, I guess. And and you could you could get twelve, but if you ended up with six, you'd be pretty disappointed, wouldn't you? I think so. Massively, yeah. I think it's a bit. Bolton's a good one because it's a, a bit of a double header. We've got them at home in January, and they are you know just one point above us in the league, play the same amount of games as us. So that that double header against Bolton could be a, could really shape the second half of the season for both teams if if one was to get the much better hand in it as i said peterborough dropping down and and that kind of fourth to sixth is really up for grabs so then forest green rovers accreton and cambridge at home i mean forest green have recovered a bit they've won their last two games but th- those three games they're all fighting against relegation uh, we've already beaten cambridge away from home You've, you've got to be targeting targeting three points there, and I, and I would bat them. I would bat them to, to get them, but I guess it never quite works out that way for Derby County. Uh, but yeah, another huge month, another huge four game set, and then we're into January and, and, and the cut break. I'll say we should be getting ten, as Ollie said. I think we'll get seven because something will go wrong at some point <laughs> along the way, won't it? <laughs> I just can't see it any other way. But yeah, like Cambridge, Accrington, and Forest Green, the teams who are nineteenth. 20th and 21st in League One as it stands. So yeah, got to be, got to be picking up points there, you would hope. So uh, well, we're going to leave it there for now. We're going to try and squeeze one more podcast in before Christmas. And don't forget, over on the Steve Williams Washing Patreon is our annual Christmas quiz with some uh, some properly nerdy Derby County trivia poses in that one. But uh, until we speak to you next time, Ollie Wright, thanks for coming on again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And uh, Richard Kutcher, hopefully I'll see you again soon. If not, have a good, have a great Christmas. Yeah, I know. It feels like it's been ages, but yeah, look forward to having a good Christmas and uh, seeing you guys in the new year. 2023, here we come.